0: From Directions Magazine, this is Directions on the News for Tuesday, November 25th, 2014. This weekly podcast gives you an inside edge on technology news related to all things location. This is Joe Francica, editor in chief in Huntsville, Alabama.
1: And this is Adina Schutzberg, executive editor in Somerville, Massachusetts.
0: They say time is money. The temporal nature of spatial information is now an ever increasingly important element of location analytics as we stream live satellite imagery, continually monitor and collect the positions of, sus- of suspected criminals, and strive to better understand how our environment changes year to year. We'll discuss this and more, but first a word from our sponsor.
1: Directions Magazine is the leader in geospatial technology webinars. If your organization is interested in more sales leads, stronger brand awareness, and positioning your company as a key thought leader then let us help you deliver a professionally produced live event that reaches a global audience. For more information on both our 30- and 60-minute webinar formats, go to www.geospatialwebinars.com.
0: Adina, last week there was a headline in the Wall Street Journal that instantly caught my attention. It read, AT&T joins fray on location data. At issue was that AT&T believes that the federal uh, investigators might need a warrant to gather data about a cell phone user's location. In in the past, in order to obtain a carrier's location data, investigators merely had to obtain the judge's consent order. Well, according to the article, the standard of proof is lower, with the consent order than for a warrant thanks to a Supreme Court decision from the 1970s in a friend of the court brief filed early last week at and said that a high court's reasoning applies poorly to how individuals interact with one another and with information using modern digital devices nothing in those prior court decisions contemplated much less required a legal regime that forces individuals to choose between maintaining their privacy and participating in the emerging social, political, and economic world facilitated by today's mobile devices or other location-based services." And just to clarify one thing, AT&T filed the brief because there's a case pending before the 11th circuit involving an individual who was sentenced to almost 162 years in prison for his involvement in crimes After obtaining a judge's order, 67 days of cell phone location data placed the individual near the scenes of these crimes. And this summer, a three-judge panel ruled that these location-based data records should be protected under the fourth amendment which guards against unreasonable searches and seizures so the argument here is that now law enforcement officials can tap into what amounts to a time machine, those that's the Wall Street Journal's words not mine to go back and analyze the proximity and temporal nature of activity whether criminal or otherwise so according to them time travel is now possible so this Time plus location equals something, whatever that analysis will be. So uh, hearing about this case and looking at other possible examples of the temporal nature, what what are the future consequences and possibly applications of time-based location data?
1: well, clearly we've got to figure out sort of the legal aspects of this. And This has sort of been rolling around for some time in different jurisdictions and what kind of permission do you need to get or guidance you need to get from a judge to get access to that data and then how to use it. And one of the things that I think is really interesting is that I feel confident that despite that headline in the Wall Street Journal, most people have no idea that this is going on or the, or, 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 and really just aren't even paying attention as this as, mm-hmm. as progresses. But I think they might because of something happening in popular culture. And the thing that's happening in popular culture is a podcast called Serial. Now, have you ever heard of that?
0: No, I'm not familiar with that.
1: Okay, so Serial is a spinoff of uh, This American Life, uh, well-known to people from NPR, and it's basically one story told in a serial format, hence the name, uh, over many weeks. And the first story of the podcast is about a murder that happened in the late 1990s where a young man was put in jail for murdering his girlfriend. And one of the pieces of evidence, as we learn about the case over these weeks, has to do with cell phone data. I- I've been listening to the podcast since the beginning. Uh, and then, about uh, a week and a half ago, all of a sudden, every podcast that I listen to the one on uh, public relations, the one on technology, the people talking in my coffee shop all of a sudden, everyone was talking about this podcast. Mm. So, it is part of popular culture. It is the most popular podcast ever, apparently, as of this week and this is one of the fundamental things is how can we use this location data and this is all cell tower data back from the day and does it really put the people in the place where they said they were or were they somewhere else so there's two parts of this one is there's the data itself and then there's the what conclusions can you draw and how valuable and accurate is it as we look at things like did somebody commit murder or did you in fact cross into private land when you shot the deer that those kinds of things Right right so the and there's also timing were you on land that was illegal to hunt on at the right time when it was hunting season I think what this is really boiling down to is that more and more we cannot separate location from time
0: Right, and that's a, those are really two great examples because uh, going back to the AT and T example, apparently the government argued, and I'm quoting from the journal again: the government argued in a brief filed in August that location data helped to deflect suspicion from the innocent, build probable cause against the guilty, and in the search for truth, the judicial. and judiciously allocate scarce investigative resources so those two examples you gave do both right protect the innocent and give probable cause to those who who might be guilty
1: yeah the the potential is enormous and it's certainly something for for people to keep an eye on i want
0: to take criminal activity out of an example and I want to look at uh, health and medical applications. I see the possibility of mapping location and time to certain health triggers to solve some difficult medical illnesses that may be the result of environmental situations and just off the top of my head migraines come to mind. A lot of people suffer from migraines but they don't know what the trigger is to migraines and maybe the time and place aspect of that could help people we 're you know, all wearing wearables these days, right, so we want to monitor our health better so it, it one of those examples just came to mind how, how do we use that type of time and place information and, and migraines came to mind and, and maybe one that 's an example of a, that, that 's kind of a short term example a longer term uh, function of time and place um, I went back to an example that uh, Bill Davenhall, you a know, friend of both of ours uh, who uh, used to be with Esri, he gave a TED talk once called Your Health Depends on Where You Live. And while that was primarily a, a talk on location-based environmental conditions, you can definitely trace a, a temporal element to the type of analysis because he was tying his medical history to location in time. And Bill equates the early years of his life living in close proximity to a hazardous waste site where there was uh, sulfur dioxide and methane gas, where he lived in Scranton. Then he moved to Louisville, and he happened to be living next to a a plant that was spewing chlorine and benzene. And then he moved to Southern California when he was at Esri, and, of course, car pollution, air pollution, ozone, CO2. Uh, That, to me, gave another kind of a long-term example of time and place and where we might best see that correlation. One thing I want to point out, though, is out of all of this information how do we visualize how do we best visualize this time element there are some GIS solutions that have great functionality I'm not sure that we do a great job of examining how the time aspect some of, some of them use slider bars to compare changes in satellite imagery I just don't see that as being a great use of our technology, and maybe there's something better out there. But I think visualization is such an important part if we're going to look at the time
1: element. I think that we're we're coming into a time now where we're collecting so much data uh, that's remotely sensed data, sensor data on our bodies, sensor data out in in the environment, where we're really going to have to push the envelope of the visualization of the data over time. Uh, part of the reason I think that we, that time data hasn't been such a big deal before is we just didn't have that much of it, mm-hmm. and now we have an explosion of it. So I think we're going to see an awful lot more of those slider bars and animations and whatever the next thing is.
0: Just going to some of the Earth observation satellite data that we're getting, I mean, we're, we're going to have and already do have daily coverage. The repeat coverage will provide many more new snapshots more quickly over a shorter period of time. I mean, who needs? this kind of daily coverage and, and really at what cost. If you look at what places, you know, companies that like Planet IQ are doing, their initial focus is, you know, in launching their small set constellation is to provide what they call 8 million observations per day, weather forecasting, climate modeling, space weather prediction. And that's a very narrow set of applications. But it's being done for a purpose right they their business model is more observations per day but specifically on climate and specifically with a certain spatial resolution i i applaud planet iq because they seem to have thought through like uh, i know what i want i, I know what what i'm going to launch and i know who this market is i'm not sure everybody's doing it but i but i like what planet iq is doing
1: well that's an interesting one because let me see if I remember right weather is changes over short periods of time and climate is is sort of weather over the long term right right so are they is the idea that they're going to capture sort of wet weather information and then sort of hold that over time to compare to the past and the future
0: well and I think uh, even more real time predictions and it was interesting in in reading the spatial element for them is the depth of the atmosphere not necessarily going all the way down to land right so whatever they can monitor from the the upper reaches of the atmosphere to predict weather i think is what their uh, objective is so you know for them it's a matter of um you know it's more of a short term Uh, element that they can provide scientists with this kind of information and
1: how does that funnel down to those of us who live with weather day to day is that going to give us better predictions
0: right so i think you'll see that funnel into tv broadcasters probably giving us better idea of of current weather and as we know on on weather apps right uh, at least the ones i use i do like to see hourly variations. I want to know whether it's going to rain in an hour or two. So if this can help me get a better idea of what that, even that short-term prediction cycle is, I I think I would benefit by it.
1: And this is a private company and they're going to sell their data privately and so only the networks that pay for it are going to have access to it.
0: Uh, That's what I would suspect, right. As opposed to now where
1: everybody's basically using the resources of the National Weather Service and, and government satellites. Well
0: that's that's right. But part of the business model of Planet IQ is that what they saw was that the existing constellations of weather satellites was decreasing. In other words, they were getting old, they needed to be replaced. They saw a window of opportunity to send up a constellation to supplement or replace government satellites that they thought weren't doing as good a job, I guess, as need to be, or they weren't being replaced at the frequency where weather prediction, is it's going to impact more than our individual lives. I mean, it impacts agricultural data and so many other types of, of industries. I think the last thing I wanted to talk about, and, and, and sort of sticking with the remotely sensed data, is the, the nature of high-definition video and that products coming from skybox technologies and earthcast they'll be streaming hd video in near real-time and some applications are obvious and there's some that are, are not okay, so let's, obvious.
1: Let's start with what the obvious ones are.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Um, you're going to want to look at traffic information. I think traffic is is one of those things where you're going to want real-time updates. That's sort of an, an we Don't obvious. we
1: have that now? We have helicopters.
0: Um, we do. The Helicopters yeah, can, can go wherever
1: they want. They can hang out over the traffic jam. They're not moving in space. They don't only have 90 seconds. We've got, we've got those cameras that are attached to the overpasses that are there and on all the time. We're, I think we're doing pretty good on, on data about traffic.
0: Yeah, well, I think a lot. Some of the applications are not so obvious. Uh, commodity pricing is one. They wanted to monitor refineries that hold um, uh, natural gas, for example, so that there can be some prediction of of whether the natural gas prices would fluctuate to some degree. That's a not so obvious one. Do,
1: do, you, but, do you do you need a a video for that? What are you I actually looking at?
0: Yeah, you're actually looking at the heights of the towers, you know, as as the they gas is pumped gas. out, and then they the, some they rise and they fall. You their mean you can't
1: somebody can't see that?
0: Well, it's I think the nature of time, which is how often would you like to see that? Do, do commodity prices fluctuate daily? Yeah, they do, and maybe it's maybe this is a more effective and efficient way of gathering that type of information.
1: Um, or you could have a have a guy have go have a up guy with a telescope. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's right. I, I mean.
0: So you're not a fan of, of live HD video, I can tell.
1: I haven't found the compelling reason. Okay, so, so, he, yeah. so, so you, uh, what are the non-obvious ones? Okay. So let's go back to what I said before. Okay, we got helicopters. In some parts of the world, of course, you can use drones. Right. right they can stay up there for a long time, and you can put them where you want and, and so forth. And in some places, static cameras can, can do the job. I I think I just posted something about a uh, a company, I think it's in New York, and you put the camera in your window and they pay you to take pictures regularly. So there's all kinds of ways with very low-cost technology and low-cost people to capture some of this data. What this video has to be about is places where we can't get in there, where we need 90 seconds of high-definition data. And the problem is that if you're... Camera is sitting on the space station. How often you're going to be looking at the place that you're interested in?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. So, um, so
1: for thi- so things that I want to see that are hard to do, hard to capture for that. Okay, so I'm a long distance runner, and we do all these crazy long races in the woods. And you know how we we track them is there's a couple people from a couple of the magazines that go to a couple of the aid stations. And as the people run by, they type it in uh, and, and we follow online of who's, the, who's ahead and who's behind right. and how they look, right? right? But it isn't like the Tour de France where they have you know helicopters again overhead taking those great pictures of what the pack looks like and who's ahead and all that great stuff. We don't have that. But it would be at exactly the right time, at the angle, and we can't see through the woods, and it wouldn't even work. I mean, drones would be much better, and I'm hopeful that someday we'll have that kind of coverage.
0: Well, I think you just brought up the argument where there's going to be some competitive situations between uh, HD video from space and the availability of streaming video from drones.
1: I think this is such a solution in search of a problem. I I just don't see the demand. So video... You know, you get a very small chunk of time that you're capturing and you might get it very quickly back to the ground. I, I get that. But what kinds of things are are move, are changing that fast in that small an area that we there would be value in it?
0: From space. In From other words. space, yes. Yeah. No, that's the problem. Is can you get that kind of coverage? Hence the reason why they want to launch a a significant number of, of small sats. That will cover the earth, whether it's 24 or 48, so that you can, uh, I would assume, direct the coverage to the area that you want. So if if you look at the, the time elements, right, if, if you look at the time divisions, hours, days, weeks, months, we, you have to pair these with the individual remotely sensed sensors. So I, I don't know if anybody has done that very well. Hours, who needs hourly coverage? Maybe something somebody doing disaster response, um, or, the media,
1: it, right? Or if we're tracking where the tanks are moving somewhere,
0: right? Um, look at days. Who who needs a repeat coverage day by day? Maybe you can make an argument for competitive analysis. Um,
1: Parking lot, counting the cars, that kind of stuff. Exactly.
0: And now go on to something longer: weeks, months, environmental impact, risk assessment, infrastructure, as asset management. Uh, you know um, I hope to post a blog uh, post in the next couple of days describing and, and matching the temporal nature, the spatial nature and the spectral nature of these variations because I don't know if anybody has looked at kind of the cube right spatial, spectral and temporal together and and somebody needs to do that as they're going through their business model to essentially match why I'm doing it and who's going to be my market for doing it. I haven't seen that. And in all of these things where there's a temporal aspect, uh, you need some justification. I think you made some very good points about uh, HD video. It just doesn't seem to have a lot of the business case figured out. Well, that's all the time we have for today. And for us here at Directions Magazine, I want to invite you to our upcoming webinars. On December 2nd, Get Top Quality UAV Imagery, Best Practices for Image Processing and Collection. That's hosted by us and Lizard Tech. And also, on December 3rd, the following day, 10 Features that Make GIS Software Productive and User-Friendly, sponsored by Pitney Bowes. For more information and to register, go to directionsmag.com slash webinars. If you'd like to comment about today's podcast, you can write to us at editors at directionsmag.com. Leave a comment where this podcast is posted on Directions Mag, or send us a tweet at directions mag thanks again for joining us today and be sure to tell a friend